Thank you. <clears throat> you know, last uh, Sunday, uh, Kathy and I reflected over our time at the beach, our vacation time, and uh, we brought to you our lessons from the beach, and we thought, that's going to be it. We're not going to do any more of that, but the more we thought about it, your response was like, that was really inspiring, and I think many of you have planned beach trips, and um, so we're, we're looking forward to hearing from your lessons from the beach, but um, we thought, well, let's go again. Let's do one more at least, and um, so we want to think, what are some things that we also learn as uh, we observe and experience things at the beach together? Well, there are things that are reminders of God's greatness all around us. Many of us feel very close to God when we go to the seashore. Um, the vastness of the ocean uh, that is before us, how wide and deep and powerful and mysterious and dangerous it is. Um, there is it, that, and that reminds me of the, the scene from Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, if you remember C.S. Lewis's uh, children's book where Lucy, little Lucy, is talking with Mr. Beaver and he says, uh, and they're talking about Aslan, and she says, well, what is this Aslan? Well, he's a lion, and she says, a lion? She goes, is he dangerous? And Mr. Beaver says, well, of course he's dangerous. He said, but he's good. And that's what I think about when I think about the ocean. It is great, it is magnificent, it is phenomenal, it is huge, it is broad, it is dangerous. But it's also very good for our soul. We are overwhelmed by its presence, much like the presence of God, too. There's, there are things that are also there, like the sun and its absolutely unrelenting gaze on us. I think about the Lion King and the conversation between Simba and his father, King Mufasa, which is just an awesome name for a king, by the way. And Simba looks at him and he says, he says, Dad, how far does our kingdom stretch? And his dad says, everything the light touches is our kingdom. And I think, wow, isn't that it? Everything the light touches and beyond belong to God. Everything the light touches. It reminds me of God's all-seeing eye, that there is nothing hidden from Him. And it's all-powerful. His gaze is always on us. Another element of the beach is the sand. That stuff that ends up everywhere. Even places you don't intend for it to end up, it ends up there. And, and we think about, I think about God reminding us of His incredible love for us and how His love permeates everything, even places we didn't expect Him to show up. I mean, we don't like Him in our bathing suit, like with sand and stuff, but God sees into the places that we don't expect Him to be. He has this glory that is all around us. I'm reminded of Psalm 139, 17 and 18, that it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Then he says, When I awake, I am still with you. His thoughts towards you outnumber this number of grains of sand. Isn't that phenomenal? I think about taking a handful of sand and trying to think that many thoughts about one person. I can't come up with that many thoughts about one person, even if I think bad thoughts about them. I can put all the bad ones and the good ones and the indifferent ones and the ones that are vaguely connected, and I can't, if they went grain by grain, I wouldn't be able to empty my hand 
with a number of thoughts, but God's thoughts toward you every moment of every day outnumber the grains of sand, and that is phenomenal. So no matter where I go, no matter what I do, if I run and hide or if I stand and praise Him, God sees me and is, in think- is thinking of me and of you as well. You and I exist <clears throat> because God is conscious of us. We are on His mind. If He stops thinking about us, we, we cease to exist. He speaks and we come into order. He is aware of you and and your thoughts and your feelings and your doubts and your fears and the number of thoughts that you have. And his thoughts toward you outnumber the sand on the seashore. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. That's pretty overwhelming when you think about it. Some of you are terrified because you think, if God is thinking thoughts about me like this, oh my goodness, what must he think about me? So the next time you're sitting there in your chair, toes in the water, toes in the sand, not a worry in the world, an ice cold drink in your hand, if you know Zach Brown, you know what I'm quoting. Know that you don't need to worry because God is watching over you. This same God that created the beauty that surrounds you, the beauty of the heavens and the earth, the mountains and the beach, is the same God that tells the ocean where to stop at every tide. He's the one that covers the shore with a reminder of his love for you and me and is reflecting over us every moment of every day. We may forget about God, but he doesn't forget about you. Never. You're always on his mind. Psalm 46, uh, which we read in the Psalter this morning, is frequently noted as uh, the psalm that inspired Martin Luther in the year 1529 to write the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He wrote this hymn the same year that Vienna was released from the Turkish siege, which may have inspired him to be freed from this oppression that was around him. And, And the psalm, which we've already read together begins this way psalm 46 god is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble therefore because he's our refuge and strength therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging surging We don't have to worry. No matter how tumultuous the ocean may appear, no matter how dangerous it may appear, we do not have to fear because God is with us. He is our refuge and strength. And I love this. Even though the earth gives way and the mountains fall, even though the waters roar and foam, because God is our strength, He is our refuge. Some versions uh, translate that refuge and our defense. He's the one that holds back the things that destroy, indicating to us that God is our protector. As we just sung in the hymn just a few moments ago, the first verse says, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, never failing. God's strength never fails. He is our defense. He is our helper. He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, it says. No matter what comes against us, God is our constant. Even in our sickness and in our health, He is with us. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not His equal. 
You know, at the time of creation, God has shown that He is mightier than all the monsters of chaos. He has established dominion forever over the world. Nothing about this will ever change. He is Almighty God. The earth will shake, the mountains will totter and fall into the sea, the ocean will roar and crash and seethe and threaten to submerge the whole world again. But we will not fear, because God is our defense, our ever-present help in times of trouble. And somehow we have to keep repeating that. That's why the hymn is so powerful to us. That's why the verses are so powerful to us. Is because we need to be reminded of God's presence and His power with us always. We are constantly surrounded by God's grace. His grace to catch us when we fall or, or when, we, when we falter. We fear not because the Lord of hosts is with us. Psalm 46 goes on in verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God who breathed this world into creation, that God, the God of Jacob and Abraham, is our God too, and He's the God that holds it all into order and, and in place. The things that make glad the city of God is not, is not the presence of the river. It is the presence of the Most High. And as our quartet sang this morning, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. Yes, it is the Spirit of God that comes and draws us to gather for worship together and to be in His presence. And that presence is what makes it holy. His presence with us makes it a holy encounter with Him. And in the presence of the city, we will not fall. In the presence of God, we will not fall, even if we are attacked at the break of day, which is when attacks would most likely happen, when, when, we, when the world is asleep, when we least expect it, when we feel that we are most vulnerable. I haven't even washed my face. I haven't even brushed my teeth. I haven't even gotten out of bed yet, and we feel attacked. And he says, no, I am with you even there. I am your fortress even there. Verse 3 of Luther's hymn says, And though this world with devils filled, should threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. Man, what a powerful word. It goes on, it says, The prince of darkness, grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. This river is not referring to the end times or even something heavenly, but it is the life-giving fountain of God's presence. And Because He is with us, that Word is Christ among us. It is the love of God when love became flesh and came in Jesus Christ is the Word that fells the Prince of Darkness. I don't know about you, but I have places that... that in nature that I feel close to God. I feel His presence more than any other places. It's, it's the feeling of, of a nearness, of renewal, of new life. Sometimes it's the calming effects of a breeze. While I'm standing there on the bank of a, 
of a river or a pond and I'm casting a line, there's a peace that comes to me. Sometimes it's when I'm sitting on a chair on an expanse of sand by the ocean. It's the sound of the waves, the comfort of the soft sand, the cool water. It's life-giving. It's a reminder that God is in control and I don't have to be. For many of us, it's a place of worship. It's a sanctuary. As we started opening the doors again uh, last summer and some of you started coming back, you walked into this room after being gone for four, five, six months. Now, now it's been over a year. And some, some are just now coming back and you're going, it's so good to be back in the sanctuary. It's so good to be back in a place where we gather for worship. This is my calm place. This is where I sense the wind of the Spirit blowing. This is where I hear the whisper of His voice in my ear. This is where I know the nearness of God. We have these places. God is our mighty fortress that creates a safe place for us to gather. Luther's second verse of A Mighty Fortress reads this way. He said, Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus. It is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name. From age to age, the same. And He must win the battle. And He does. That is the truth of the triumph. The truth that sets us free is our faith and our trust is in He who is overcome. The word that fell, the prince of darkness, is the word of love that comes from God. Love is God's bulwark and defense. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that we would not perish but have eternal life. And He did not send Him in order to... uh, to attack you or to condemn the world. He came to save it. He came to be our defense. You see, we are broken people. We are born that way. There are none none good. And sometimes we think, well, I haven't done anything bad enough to get me into hell. If you were born and you were breathing, you are broken and you're distorted and you do not have what you need for salvation. And that's why God is so good. He says, because even as a baby, we need redemption. And He is so good, He has found a way to come to us. He said, I will send My Son to show you salvation. I'm going to send Jesus to you so you will know the way to eternal life. We're all broken. All the sin and fall short of the glory of God is what the Scriptures tell us. All. Not just the bad people. We all need a Savior. And He says, even at the early break of day, when you didn't even know you needed help, I send a Savior to you. And His Son is Jesus. This is the river of peace that comes to us. The relief. The renewal. Psalm 46 ends like this beginning verse 8. It says, Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations He has brought on the earth. 
He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. Again, he reminds us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Sometimes we read that verse about desolation and we think, oh, well, the God is going to destroy things? Yes, he is going to end it. See, desolation never starts a war, but it always ends one. When there is a battle for your soul, there is going to be desolation. Things are going to be destroyed. And he says he's going to break the bow and the spear and he's going to burn the shields because guess what? We're not going to have war anymore. There won't be any need for it anymore, so the burn pile will be all the weapons of warfare. They will be gone because we will not need them anymore. The victory is final. Death and destruction of his enemies is the Lord's final work. The psalmist already sees the the ideal of a warless age that is already present. That is already here. We are living into the kingdom of God now. And this final advent has come. And the Lord sits king forever and invites us to do what we do oh so well whenever we go to the beach. To be still and know that I am God. To be still and recognize his presence all around us. I tell you, here's the truth though. Two things. Two things we know about doubt. One, tension produced by modern life is increasing. Anybody not getting stressed? You watch the news, you read the paper, you go online, whatever you do, tension comes up, you're like, oh my gosh, we fret, we worry, we get angry, we get uh, concerned. That's the one. And then the second is each of us has a breaking point. There is tension in the world, and each of us has a breaking point. These are the two things that we know about doubt. And this means that unless we learn to ease our tension, they will break us. We cannot escape this fact. Therefore, the devices for coping are on the rise, and they're advertised everywhere. Everything from aspirin to alcohol. Watch, the, watch television for a few minutes about hobbies, what you can do, what things you can take up, all the exercises you can do to relieve stress, the vacations you can go on that will relieve your stress. They're advertised endlessly. But still, the figures tell us of broken minds at an alarming rate. I don't know the numbers of prescriptions there are for antidepressants or things that help us cope or the need for melatonin to help us sleep to calm our minds how many of us are having to take things to help us cope and deal with the stress in this world we've got to learn to deal with it and these things are helpful if you're feeling the tension if you're not yet broken, then the words from this ancient psychotherapist in Psalm 46 are very important. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am your strength. Be still and know that I am your defense. Unfortunately, some of us 
know how to be still, but there are some that are uninterested in knowing God. They're being still, but they aren't reaching out for the Savior, for the Defender. Whatever your place, wherever you are in your life, in your tension, in your dealing, your in and out of every day, I want you to take a look around. Where will you go when the mountains around you tremble? When the sea foams and swells and churns and is disruptive and you're afraid you're going to be swallowed up? Where will you go when, when the temper rises and the tensions overwhelm you. Listen to the words of the psalmist when he says, Come and see. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come and see the battle He has won for you. Come and see the truth of the victories that He whispers in your ear, even now, even this morning, in this sweet, sweet spirit. He says, I love you. I forgive you. I have a plan for you and a place for you. You are mine. Will you come home? Will you trust me? Will you let me protect you, provide for you, be with you? Grace is all around, and our God meets us at every turn. Will you turn your eyes to him? Will you turn your heart to him? And say, God, I'm listening. I'm right here. Speak to me this day. Let's pray. Father, to know your nearness and to experience it can seem very, very far apart. So, Father, this moment at this time, we still and quiet our thoughts again. Take a deep breath as we breathe in your Holy Spirit and allow you to permeate every cell in our body. May the river of life that flows through heaven flow through us. May your presence bring new life and joy to us as we are reminded of your great love for us and the grace it goes beyond grace and surrounds us every moment of every day. Father, speak to your children as we listen today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.